From Connext Media, this is Atlanta Born and Brand. I'm your host, Jonathan Hilliard. Atlanta Born and Brand is a show all about businesses that are being built right here in the capital of the South. But more importantly, it's a show about their founders. We wanted to find some of the city's most interesting entrepreneurs and creators, hear about their challenges, successes, and how they built a brand that will last. But more importantly, we want to introduce these founders, brands, and businesses to the city they live in, their neighbors, to make sure Atlanta and the brands they call it home can thrive for generations to come. Today, we meet another solo entrepreneur who is making big waves with some huge flavors. Rashid Phillips is the owner of Phillips Barbecue Co. However, his journey to a culinary lifestyle has been anything but textbook. It started almost completely by accident, and a few short years later, Sheed is well on his way to making a major name for himself in Atlanta. It's our pleasure to introduce Rashid Phillips of Phillips Barbecue Co. If somebody came up to you on the street and you introduced yourself and they asked you what you do, what's the the 30 second rundown of what you would tell them? What do you do? I don't even think it would take 30 seconds. Is yeah. uh, I make people smile through food. Yeah, that's uh, that's sort of it. I, I enjoy what I do, and luckily, what I do allows people to sort of uh, smile and enjoy that end result, that yeah. process. And it just so happens that it comes through barbecue. Sure. And uh, it's kind of amazing feeling. That's that. It really is. Uh, there's a. I have a really deep connection to food, and I feel like everyone has a deep connection to food. Yeah. And whenever they can get something that tastes good and it's different from what they're used to. Mm-hmm. They're really, really happy and excited about it. And it's it's tied into memories for a lot of people, you know, especially if you get, you know, like a flavor from, you know, an old family member that maybe isn't around anymore or, you know, uh, uh, something that mom used to cook. Like, yeah. it brings people back. Definitely. You know, it's, got, definitely. it's got a power that way for sure. It really does. You know, I get a lot of the time, um, oh, you know, my grandfather used to have a smoker and, you know, I'd help them stack wood mm-hmm. stores or, you know, my, my dad and I used to uh, barbecue and grill out all the time. You know, everyone's yeah. got a grilling story. Everyone just has a food story in general. Sure. Um, and then everyone just wants to know about the process. Even people who don't yeah. barbecue, they just want to talk about it all day because they're <laughs> fans. You know, I didn't know there was barbecue yeah. fans, but I, I think people just want to understand it more because they 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 see everything they don't think they can sure. do it and it's like no it's not as hard as you think it is it's just a lot of time and dedication and if you yeah. put both of those two together it's going to come out really really good well and you're, you're kind of in the perfect spot for it right because you're right smack in the middle of um sort of this barbecue region where you've got different styles coming from like the carolinas and texas and yeah. like the, the mississippi louisiana region yeah. and yeah. you know when i was growing up here it was kind of like everybody had their spot that had one of those types of barbecue places yeah. but now it seems like in georgia we're creating a little bit more of an identity as far as like our own style of barbecue goes. Yeah, and that's my thing, you know. Uh, whenever people think barbecue, they immediately think Kansas City or Texas. Yeah. You know, I, I want to do my part to bring Georgia on the map more to the forefront hmm. of barbecue. Um, and I think that's going to be based on me just continuing my own style because I don't really do a Texas style and don't really do a Kansas City style. You yeah. Know? Just sort of incorporating my own using things that are local to my region and things sure. that I'm aware of. And I think that can really help bring more and more attention to Georgia barbecue. Yeah. And I think that's really important. It shouldn't be overlooked. You know, people come here for a lot of different things, sports and so forth. But there's a crazy cool food culture, not just (laughs) barbecue, but just food culture here as well. That people need to be aware of and get to know Georgia for as well. Definitely. Well, take me back to the beginning, man. Where did you grow up and, and how did you kind of, how did the roots sort of get planted for this, this future in food for you? Um, it's weird. I don't have that typical story, you know, mm-hmm. growing up in the kitchen with my grandma, watching her cook. No, that wasn't that yeah. wasn't my gig. I did um, used to go out on the boat with my grandfather a lot, okay. who was a fisherman. He owned a fishing company, and he'd always take me out there and uh, show me how to fish and show me how to repair nets and just show me basically how to use my hands to get things done. Yeah. And then uh, g- growing up in Jamaica, we came to the States uh, when I was about 12 or so. Um, 
we had a lot of family spread around, but family would arrive at dinner time. Hmm. You know, they'd all come through for, you know, different little gatherings, but food was always like the main star that brought everyone in. And yeah. I guess that sort of like uh, stuck in the back of my mind for forever. And I just enjoyed cooking. Um, sure. One of my most embarrassing stories, uh, and my mother will probably never, ever, ever let me live it down, was I had to make macaroni for my brother and I for dinner. Yep. One day, uh, I think I was in like middle school or something, and uh, it was like easy mac box, and I put too much milk and creams and all this stuff. <laughs> like I was trying to get fancy like I was saw Emerald do, uh-huh. and it just turned out soupy. Like the, the cheese broth was just soup, basically, right. with macaroni. It was macaroni soup. Yeah. And uh, my brother ate it because he didn't know any better. He's a kid. He's like, yeah, this is great. And then the next night, my mom's making dinner, and my brother goes, oh, mom, can you make uh, the soupy macaroni, that <laughs> the, the macaroni that you can drink like she did? Yeah. It's like, oh. So that's like my earliest fail yeah. in regards to food. And then uh, from there, I just never stopped cooking little <laughs> things, but nothing extravagant. But uh I would always watch cooking shows, and you know, I was a kid who actually rented out Julia Child's cookbook. Nice, because I, I liked. It. I was like, man, this is pretty cool, but I never did anything with it. Sure. Um, it wasn't until years and years later that a buddy of mine was getting married, and he was like, "Hey, could you cater our wedding?" I was like, "Wait, what? I don't do this." Like, because I'd always bring my lunch in, I'd always cook for myself. He's like, "Hey, could you help, please?" It was it was a really tight knit environment to yeah. where like everyone was helping each other anyway you know we had our friends that were in the uh band who made music that were playing music there for the wedding yeah said sure um so we went to sam's club the night before his wedding yeah this isn't gonna be scary at all we just (laughs) loaded up (laughs) we just loaded up uh a couple of carts and i spent the whole night and into the early morning prepping and cooking everything and then dropped it off at the church and caught a shower and was like sort of hiding in the back when the food was being served like oh yeah. man i hope this doesn't flop i really hope this doesn't flop and everyone loved it what'd you make i made mac and cheese yeah. <laughs> this time it wasn't soupy. not the soupy variety not, not the soupy variety <laughs> i made mac and cheese uh i grilled some chicken i did some fried chicken hmm. um did some pasta dishes as well it was because it was a monstrous uh wedding and i just wanted dishes that i knew that could really yield and go a long way right and people really enjoyed it um and i ran into him you know just before i started the business again uh and he said hey man you know people still talk about the food at our wedding wow like why aren't you doing something with this and Hmm. i said i don't know i didn't have an answer so i decided to change that so how old were you when you catered that wedding I was in my early twenties. Yeah, really, really early twenties. And didn't and you? Uh, I guess you had something else going on. You hadn't even pursued the food yeah, route at all nev- at that point. I never really thought you could make a living hmm. fully doing that because honestly, I didn't see anyone like me yeah. making a living doing it. So I was like, eh, you know, I'll stick to what I know, right? Type of thing, and continue that route. And the more and more I got into it, the more and more I wanted to share. <laughs> And the more and more I realized, hey, if this doesn't work, I can always go back to what I was doing. Sure. But I know I'm going to regret never trying. Um, so a buddy of mine, um, Lee, we started recording myself making little things. And <laughs> we'd have a little fun with it, post it, post up on different sites here and there. And then it just went from that to, oh, but this could actually be a real thing. Yeah. Uh, I sort of clicked like, wait, no, this is, this is good because... <laughs> uh, all your friends will love your food. Right. They'll, they'll always tell you your food is great. Your yeah. family will tell you your food is great. And I was akin it to everyone's seen um, America's Got Talent or something like that where right. the singer comes out and she's just belting it out. And the whole audience is like, why didn't anyone tell her she's horrible? <laughs> like no one in her family loved her enough to stop her yeah. before this phase. And I always thought that was me. Like, guys, don't let me go out on stage yeah. and just make a fool of myself. So I started feeding strangers. Uh, started feeding like the local police department, fire departments, and you know our first responders type of thing, just to get their response. Yeah, gauge how you're doing. Yeah, and yeah. they they loved it. And it wasn't just because it was so free awesome. food; they just genuinely loved it. Yeah, and I just kept growing from there. 
So when you uh, when you came from Jamaica, did you guys come straight to Atlanta? No, I think all Jamaicans. There's only like really two routes for us. Mm. It's uh, either go to Miami or go to New York. Okay, we went through New York. Gotcha. And uh, growing up there for a couple of years was really exciting because there's such a crazy eclectic culture. Yeah. There on top of just food, there's no everything in the world. You want to eat the best food in the world? Just go to New York for the summer and just yeah. travel around. But yeah, we came through uh, New York, and then from New York, uh, stayed in Philly for a little while with some family, mm-hmm. and Virginia, and then settled in Maryland for a while, and Maryland is how I made my way down south. And so when you made, um, when you came from Jamaica, was it uh, just your immediate family, or what, what yeah, was, it was the just, story it was, there? it was just my immediate family, yeah. um, my mom, uh, the folks, my little brother, and then it took a while until we got down to Georgia for us to actually be able to get my grandmother down here. Mm-hmm. Um, and once we did, everything sort of fell in a place. It just felt like home again. Yeah. Um, but it's it was it was it was great. It's a different experience, but I'm happy that I grew up where I did mm-hmm. and came here because it sort of puts things in perspective. Sure. Like uh, no matter how bad things get, if I end up where I started as a kid. Still pretty great because I had yeah. a great childhood, you know. Sure. No complaints over there. Oceanfront, the best things in life, you know. Yeah. So it, it was it was a real great and um experience for me, and I'm really happy that I went through it because it's definitely shaped who I am and how I perceive things now. Sure, you've got a good perspective because yeah. of the kind of the the situation you were you're brought up in for sure. Um, that's cool, man. So are you first introduced to barbecue when you finally made it to the south? When did you kind of develop a love for for barbecue a love for barbecue i'd say i guess i could say when i came to the south Mm -hmm. uh but introduced to it like in jamaica we do a lot of barrel cooking too yeah um indirect and direct heat but majority is direct heat but it's Mm -hmm. literally uh oil barrel that's been burnt out until it's safe to use and you know that's how you get your best food your jerk chicken your your oxtail stuff like that it's on the curbside food it's street food it is really good if you can get it done right it takes a process you know real jerk doesn't come in a jar is what i tell people (laughs) you gotta make that stuff yourself yeah um but that would have been my initial introduction and then coming to the south i saw and tasted different foods a lot Mm -hmm. of different forms of barbecue but the thing that just kept getting to me was um, a lot of this is just all sauce. Mm. You know, I was like, man, this is a lot of sauce here. Like, every region is known for a sauce. Like, right. Carolina's, you know, you got a vinegar pepper or mustard-based. Sure. Or come here, you got uh, peaches and sweets. So, it's like, this is really good. It's not bad, but how does it, does the food taste good without mm. anything on it? Yeah. And, um, that was sort of a question I wanted to answer <laughs> earlier on when I started. A lot of times the answer is no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I've been to a lot of like the big name places and they're all great guys. Great, you know, stuff like that. But I'm like, you know, this is just really sauce. You guys yeah. make a killer sauce and good meat. Why don't sure. you flip it? And yeah. uh, that's something that I, I changed in my route was I don't offer sauce. Yeah. It's not there. Uh, it doesn't need it. And everyone always asks. Uh, who's ever come to the first time, like if it's their first time coming to one of my events, oh, do you have any barbecue sauce? Like, no. And then they'd look at me with a sideways (laughs) face, like, what do you mean you don't have any barbecue sauce? Listen, go to philipsbarbecueco.com and the the main picture on your page here and then tell me that you want to put sauce on that. Like, no thanks. There's there's no need. But but that seems to be a trend too, though, especially with some of the the newer places here in town that I've noticed is getting away from that over-saucing or saucing things in the back and bringing it to you with sauce already on it. They're at least giving you the option now to Mm -hmm. say, hey, if you don't want it, you know, we're not going to hide our food behind sauce on some of the newer newer places but yeah that was definitely a thing um kind of when i was growing up you know like you said the carolinas you'd go to a place and they'd bring you like a pulled pork sandwich that was just like 90 percent sauce 10 percent meat you know just unbelievable like would you like some meat with that sauce yeah exactly but so you already uh we alluded to it before we started recording but Barbecue is not the easiest thing <laughs> to cook by any stretch of the imagination. No. When you started cooking for yourself, did you always know, hey, barbecue is what I, I want to do? Or did you kind of slide into that because that's what you were best at? How did how did you kind of settle into that? Um, 
I didn't think barbecue was going to be like the end all be all, but I knew I was good at it and yeah. I had a different way of, of, of approaching it. Um, I'm not classically trained or anything. Mm. You know, the closest thing I've had is a home economics class in like the seventh grade. Wow. That's, that's pretty much it. And I just picked up knife skills from there and that's yeah. really what I've carried on. Um, but I came across barbecue and stuck with it because it's relaxing. Mm. You have to slow down. You cannot rush it. You, sure. you, you can't. I don't care what video you see of a two-hour or three-hour, you know, smoke yeah. brisket run. That's I'm not eating a brisket made in three hours. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I'm sorry. That just scares me. Yeah. Um, but it, barbecue forces you to slow down. You have to pay attention. You just have to let things go at its own pace, and it's a <laughs> great thing. It's more calming than cooking yeah. for me. Uh, all other forms, they're not bad. No, like those fine dining cuisines are amazing, but... Those guys always look stressed. Hmm. Like they've got 17 different tweezers. They're plucking yeah. rose petals, seed leaves or whatever, pollen on a place, which I'm sure looks great. But uh, you guys can't see, but I'm a giant guy. <laughs> I can't do uh, that type of level of food. I don't need a 17-inch plate and a one-inch piece of meat. Right. It doesn't work for me. So barbecue, <laughs> The proportions aren't good there. It's not. Not yeah. for me. So um with barbecue, I get to feed people how I like to eat, you know, and part of that, too, is my learning through the process of how I've revamped my menu uh, from the start to now. When I started, I was serving everything under the sun, yeah. like uh, wings, tacos, pulled pork tacos, burgers, turkey. I mean, mm. everything was gone there. And I was, eh, let me just find the things I'm really, really good at Simplify, and perfect those. Yeah. yeah, you know, sort of like kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. And I was being extremely stupid at the mm. beginning, but that's part of the learning process. Absolutely. Uh, you have to know you're going to fail and be okay with that and just keep going. Yeah. And uh, I made the adjustments to now the box I brought you is what we serve. It's just yeah. one box. Everyone's asked what's on the menu. It's one thing. It's sure. a box, brisket, ribs, pulled pork, mac and cheese, and smoked baked beans. Heck yes. Simplify it. These yeah. are what I do extremely well, and I'm going to make sure you enjoy it. Right. So what were you doing at the time when you decided to to dive into uh, to catering? I was uh, doing photography. Yeah. Um, I was a freelance photographer for Starwood. I was traveling around shooting, you know, Ritz, W's, all that type of fun stuff. And yeah. It was great. I loved it. And I um, had a great time with it. Yeah. <laughs> People ask, well, how did you stop? I was like, well, I can always go back to that. I'm never sure. going to forget how to take a photo. Sure. I'm never going to forget the skills. I spent years practicing and honing it. Uh, that explains a lot, by the way. Yeah. 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 Everyone always says, why are your photos so good? Well, you know, <laughs> in the life before smoke, I sort of did something. Before life before photo. smoke. Yeah. I like that. Like and that. uh, that's it. I said, and I, and I went into it thinking, hey, if the food sucks, at least the photos look really, right. really good. <laughs> right. You at least get people in the door. Exactly. Exactly. Let me lure you in. But yeah. That's right. How long did you do that for? For photography? Yeah. I, I picked up a camera when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. I, once again, just didn't think anyone made a living. I never thought, I never put the two and two together that photography was so prevalent. Yeah. You know? Um, but I, I was literally recording everything in high school, taking photos as on the part of the yearbook team, submitting images and <laughs> stuff like that. And it was throughout college that I actually went really, really uh, head first into it yeah. and started photographing. And I went through the routes that everyone else does. You know, um, my buddy Maine and I, we both started doing like the club photo scenes like everyone yeah. does. That's yep. real popular now. Um uh, worked with the different brands at the time. Then I moved over to doing weddings. Hmm. And I was doing weddings for like two, three years. It's a beast of a job. It man. is. Oh, my gosh. And we were, I was being uh, contracted out through this company back then called Black Tie Events. Hmm. And was doing like three to four weddings a weekend. I Ooh. was all over Georgia just getting spent. Yeah. And I said, there's got to be an easier way. Like, this isn't for me. Yeah. Um, this it was fun but then i came across architectural photography <laughs> and i realized i was good at it because buildings don't move they yep. don't get tired and i can just keep shooting until i get it right right and i was just practicing 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 i was uh lucky enough to make friends with zach arius and go to a couple of his workshops and go to a studio and get feedback 
And that's when it changed my approach because he just completely demolished my portfolio. Wow. Like, I wanted to become a dentist after his uh, review. <laughs> it was so bad. He's like, this is what you call it. This is our photo. It's like, whatever. And he just pulled up shots. He's like, do this. This is what you need to be yeah. getting right at. So I did it. Just right. kept practicing and practicing. And uh, it got me a lot of cool gigs. I'll never forget. My yeah. mom saw one of my pieces in a magazine, and she was so excited. And I was <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Well, if you go down 85, there's a giant billboard of it, too. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it, that was, it was a fun, fun time. I really enjoyed that. So and I you, still shoot every once in a while. You've got a little bit of a different story than a lot of entrepreneurs in that it sounds like you had a career that you're really enjoying. Oh, yeah. And then you had this kind of like this dream or this side hustle almost mm -hmm. that just got so loud in the background that it was kind of hard to ignore. It really was. Um, the first thing that really happened was uh, a real good friend of mine, Michelle Fontaine, she used to design the cans for Creature Comforts. Mm. And she was just like, hey, if you ever want to get to one of these breweries, I have a contact. I can at least introduce you. I can knock on the door and introduce you. Yeah. And she did that. And I wanted to approach things differently because I think business in general, it doesn't go the way it should now. Mm -hmm. So I contacted them and said, hey, I want to feed you guys lunch. And they said, what's the catch? I said, no catch. Just tell me how many of the guys there are. I want yeah. to feed everyone, all of your employees. What day yeah. is everyone there? They're like, oh, all right. Um, they're like Wednesday, they're everyone's here because we do a meeting. Mm -hmm. It's like, all right, great. It's like, is it cool if I pull up like real early Wednesday, like two or three in the morning? I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I uh, drove up there. I had my like Oklahoma Joe smoker from Home Depot that I was, you know, cooking on. Yeah. And I sat up and I just smoked all morning, all morning wow. in the afternoon when everyone came, and I just fed them. Yeah. I fed everyone that worked at Creature Comforts, and they loved it. Uh, I made pulled pork, um, smoked chicken, and some mac. Yeah. And they loved it. That was smart that you did it there, too. Yeah. And that you didn't do it at home. Just show up for five minutes, roll out your, mm. you know, your tinfoil and your... Uh, A little heating you know, trays and yeah, stuff Yeah, your like heating that. trays. You kind of, you put yourself in it and let them get the opportunity all morning to kind of, you know watch you in the background there doing your thing showing showing the work ethic showing the process and i'm sure after they ate there was a deeper connection to what you were doing because you had kind of been there it was because all throughout yeah. the day people were just sort of peeking out like yeah who is this guy what's he what's he doing and, right you know, what's the catch is he that is can he be here type of thing and my buddy <laughs> lee's just filming the whole thing and we're chatting with some of the people yeah. coming by and um I fed them and they loved it and they said we'd love to have you up here hmm. uh, and they said you know we're it's going to be one of the first home games for UGA would you be able to come up I yeah. said sure I, I learned a long time ago um, just say yes and worry about the rest later yeah um, one of my favorite books shoe dog by Phil Knight is just hmm. based on that and I said yes I didn't have a big enough smoker to feed the crowds that I thought I was going to have yeah so I found a builder, got a built, bought a smoker, did everything extremely fast, you know. Mm. And we came back, did the first event, and we had a monstrous line. I mean, the line was so long, one of the owners of Creature Comforts came by and said, we've never even had bear line releases this long. Like, do you realize you're wrapped around the corner? Yeah. It's like, no, no, I do not, because I've been here. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and it just sort of kept going from there, and I, yeah. that's when it clicked. It was at that moment I was like, okay, one or two people liking it, yeah, but I have a line like this, and people are generally right. just interested in enjoying it. People are leaving your line, obviously, and going to tell people about yeah, it at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And I just said, okay, I've, I've got to go for it. I've got yeah. to go for it, so I can pick up the camera at any point in time. And when, when was that event? That was, what was it, um, tw October 2016? Gotcha. Uh, yeah, it was just before my birthday, because I remember thinking, I'm either going to have a really good birthday celebrating, or I'm going to be depressed drinking all the hurt away. <laughs> <laughs> with creature comforts. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, at least I'll get a six-pack yeah. six out of it. Right. No doubt. So that's, the, that's sort of the origins. Yeah. Did you know at that point that you were going to kind of go all in on the catering side or did you have thoughts that 
okay, this is just like a temporary thing before, you know, maybe we try to open a brick and mortar. What was your, your initial kind of goal and plan uh, to start out with? Uh, not to fail miserably, <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you. To I say always, yes a lot. Yeah, yeah, it was just to say yes. And I got yeah. told no so many times. People don't understand how much rejection I got. Because hmm. uh, I literally, after that event... I'm extremely determined. Like once I put my mind to something, it's getting done. I don't care what it is. It's getting done. And I've just always been an entrepreneur. So that wasn't going to stop me. But I would literally sit and cold call every Hmm. brewery that I could find. And I got told no a lot. So I I started getting told no so much that I said, you know what? Let me start playing by my rules. And Hmm. I just started showing up. Started showing up at breweries like, hey, guys, it's lunchtime. I'm here to feed you. It's like I tried to yeah. reach out, haven't heard back. Want to give you guys some lunch. Hope you guys enjoy it. And I just yeah. kept doing that over and that's over awesome. and over. And that's how I built my name and uh, got in front of these people. Because yeah. they're so busy. Everyone's always coming with a handout, wanting right. something. I said, no, let me just keep giving something nonstop. And yeah. I would go to places two or three times until they're like, all right, cool. Let's give this guy a shot. Yeah. Give and instead of take. Exactly. Immediately. And, yeah. and it worked out. And at those phases I was just trying to get in the door just making sure I was doing something right getting in front of people so pop-ups really worked for me Uh, I still don't have a brick and mortar yet and it's still something that I want to do in the future Mm. but what I found right now is it's easier and it's better for me to get to a couple hundred people than to get a couple hundred people to me Sure, that works out for me so I'll do the bigger caterings I'll do the corporate gigs and such but my enjoyment out of it all is just the pop-ups, you know, Yeah. bringing my big smoker pearl out. Kids love seeing it. <laughs> you know, adults love seeing it. I saw that thing on Instagram, man. That thing is a monster. Yeah. I keep, I used to always tell people, like, it makes me look like a child and no one believed me. So that's why I took <laughs> that photo of me sitting on top of it. Like, now yeah. you get a, a, a real yeah. idea of just how large the smoker is. Well, and it's, it's kind of cool because you're you're sort of gathering data in this whole process of mm-hmm. catering and doing these pop-ups. You're, you're experiencing different parts of town. Yeah. You're working with, I'm sure, different clientele in each area, the corporate side, the more family-organized mm-hmm. events. And you're sort of all this time gathering data of, okay, this is where my stuff really, really pops. Yeah. And this is where maybe, you know... I would have to take a different approach. So when the time does come, you've got all of that experience and education to say, okay, this is the best spot to start a full brick and mortar. Or maybe this is the best spot to start up like a a little kiosk. Like, um, you know, Fox Brothers has like the little kiosk underneath, um, you know, 85 over there. So you've got like, it's, it's not a, you know, it's not a, you know, I don't know what I'm trying to say, a fruitless endeavor no, no. To, to keep catering around all over the place. No, not at all. I, uh, I run the business, not like a food business, but like mm. a tech business. So mm. I use the pop-up events. That's my marketing. Yeah. I, I don't have thousands and thousands of dollars for, you know, sure. billboards, magazine ads, radio, airtime. Yeah. So I get out in front of the people and those are my marketing uh, events, yeah. getting in front of people, letting them see me, meet me, see the smoker, try it themselves, <laughs> you know. You're hanging out in line waiting for your order? Cool. Slice up some extra brisket for you. Munch on that. So yeah. it gets you really involved in everything that's going on. And that's how I've met and gotten a lot of my larger <laughs> um, corporate gigs or uh, my weddings or, you know, gotten subscription gigs, things like that. Um, one of the things that works best for me right now is I do these private wine events mm-hmm. in uh, Alpharetta at this place called Tinderbox. Yeah. Great guys. Uh, Mark and Jen. And I met them just being me, act of kindness. Mm. Uh, we were all at an event vending at Jekyll Brewing one day. And when you're in the food game long enough, you can tell when someone's hungry, like they've just had a long day, like they're lightheaded type of thing. Yeah. And I saw that and I just brought her some food. And she asked how much. like, no, we're both out here. Everyone's out here. Yeah. Just get your grub on. I can tell you sure. need a bite to eat. Didn't think anything of it. Uh, continued on with the day. Yeah. Uh, I was about to break down. And then this guy comes back and just drops a bunch of cigars on my desk because that's what they were, she was selling. So, yeah. um, I didn't order these. I think you may have gotten <laughs> the wrong guy. And he's like, no, um, this is for you. You took care of my lady. You didn't want anything. Yeah. You, you didn't have to do that. And I appreciate that. It's <laughs> like, oh man, thank you. Yeah, and then, paying uh, it forward. Exactly. Yeah. And a little while later, I, I um, 
went to them and said, hey, do you guys ever do any tastings at your wine shop? And they said, we do wine tastings, but we never have any food. Said you guys want to team up, <laughs> and uh, it's been working out ever yeah. since. It's been a great thing. It's it's fun. Awesome. We've got another one coming up real soon, and it's just a great way to meet people. Yeah, and I love that this thing that's growing so much and taking off started with just a very random act of genuine kindness. Sure, and uh, I try to tell people the right thing to do is always the right thing to do. You no, know. No. Don't always focus on just the business aspect of it. Sometimes you just have to yeah. do what's right. Well, I think something I've learned in almost three years of running my own business now is that the relationships that you build are ultimately a lot more richer than, uh, or they're a lot richer than just increasing your your end of the day profits. So if you can. If you end up having a smaller clientele of people that really know your business, love your business, um, you know, care about you, are going to you know be invested in helping you grow by spreading the word, that's going to be a lot more valuable than okay, maybe if I went to this certain spot, or maybe if I didn't talk to anybody and I just put my head down for you know three yeah, weeks yeah. and just cranked out stuff you know, then, then I'd be able to grow faster or whatever it is. If you invest in building those relationships and like you said, pay it forward, yeah. that's always going to be, you're just going to go to sleep better at night. I think ultimately you will. And you'd be really surprised. You know, people don't understand. It takes a long time. Mm-hmm. What's in the news now. Uh, Jay-Z just became a billionaire mm-hmm. and it's like, wow, you have good. Well, he was always had money. Uh, yeah, but it took him 20 years to become a billionaire. Yeah. Like you can't really yeah. rush this. Um, that's kind of shocking. Yeah, yeah. When you think about it. That's a long time. That's right. you've got to invest. Like, how long or how much do you want it? Hmm. You know, I think if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you've got to be an entrepreneur. You can't say, "Okay, it's getting hard. It's been a rough couple of months. I'm quitting." Yeah. Well, if you were going to quit two years in, you might as well have not started at all because you've wasted yeah. all that time. Just stick with it. Right. Um, a lot of what's going on with the business now has grown from just genuine things. You know hmm. the podcast we shoot just started because i would do charity events with the radio station Hmm. you know i'll just give back food kids are a big thing like i love helping out kids you know i i grew up i know how it is you know want to do certain activities and such and may not always have the funds to do so Hmm. so anything to do like charities where i can raise uh funds for kids or do any type of donations i'm in and that's what i did with the station and uh we kept doing that, and Jason one day called and said, hey, I've got this thing rattling around in my head, and I want you to be a part of it. Nice. And I'm all in. That's awesome. And tell people about the po- that podcast, too, because uh, I know podcast listeners are always looking for one more to, yeah, yeah. to enjoy. Um, so we shoot a podcast called Shoot to Grill. Mm-hmm. It's on all of your podcast platforms right now, and we call it Grilltainment because it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> grilling meets entertainment. Yeah. You know, Jason Bailey will bring on various guests and we'll find out what they like to eat and I'll make something completely different and I'm just there cooking you know he's the stick man I'm the straight man in the setup and it's just a great time overall I love the fact that I just get to hey we're meeting up every Wednesday we're going to hang out we're going to make some really good food have some great conversation and relax and I meet such dope people like uh Last week, I got to hang out with Diamond Dallas Page. 12-year-old me is like, there's <laughs> no way ever. Like, how's, and he's just the coolest guy. He's, he's an Atlanta so guy now, right? He lives yeah, around. Yeah, he's, he, gotcha. he's here. And, uh, um, you know, next week, I'm hanging out with Montel Jordan. Uh, so, okay. And that's, you know, it's 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 crazy. Got to hang out with Super Bowl champion Randy Cross, talking about yeah. so many great guys that all love barbecue. Mm-hmm. And they want to come to me for little tips and tricks and how to do it and it's always it's always a good time yeah so it's if you love food if you love sports or music rock or just need something to listen to the commute definitely something to check out yeah 100 percent. so something that i'm really impressed with uh rashid is the way you've branded your business oh. so early on in the process and i think you know a lot of people would have started out you know with these dreams of a brick and mortar and okay this is going to be the name of the shop and maybe they would have done catering to get that started Mm -hmm. but they wouldn't have invested the time uh, and energy into building a brand like 
what I've seen you just in the short amount of time I've been, you know, watching you from afar. Like, if if people pull up your Instagram, they would just assume that, you know, this is this great barbecue brand that's been around for years in Atlanta, you know, and okay, where's a shop? I'm sure people, you get messages like that all the time, I'm sure. At least two, three times a week. That's see, and and that's awesome. That's what you want, right? Because, you know, if the time does come, you know, to, um, you know, to open that shop, you've got that, that momentum already going. Tell me about the process of, of coming up with, um, your brand, the name. I know you, you kind of started off on a little bit of a different path and you kind of, uh, kind of, uh, evolved from there. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's, I went through like, uh, so now uh, the the name is finalist. Like it's Phillips Barbecue Co. Prior to it, it was food, and um, food just came about because it sounds the same, but it's something different, mm-hmm. and that's what I was building the business off of. Was it's things you're used to, but prepared in a way you haven't had it before. Yeah, you know, there's a lot more stuff done behind the scenes, and food, food was great. P H U D. P H U D. Exactly, and uh, I, people say, "Is that fud?" And this and that, and I knew it was going to happen, <laughs> and that was part of my opener with it, yeah. and. Uh, I built up that name and I started with that. You know, I went through so many renditions of a, a logo design with it and mm. was going and going. And any other entrepreneurs out there, it's going to happen. Just so you know, you're going to start off with one idea and you're going to think it's the best idea and you're going to think it's the best look for you and you're going to run with it. And you may change. And you that it. is yeah. okay. It is literally okay. It continuously happens. Like, uh, if once again, I got to go back to a shoe dog. If you read the book, you know, Nike was almost called like uh, Matrix Facts 3000. <laughs> and good thing Phil Knight had a lot of people around him that said, that's a horrible Bad name. Plan, dude. We're not going to go with yeah. that. But it was really going to be named something completely ridiculous. <laughs> you know, it started as Blue Ribbon. Just doesn't have the same hit right. as Nike does, does it? No. So, um, uh, went through that change, you know, went through the name change, and it really came this year, actually, is when I m- made the change, and it came after a night with some extremely influential people. I'll only mention two of them, but uh, got to hang out with B, uh, Brian Furman from B's Crackling Barbecue, mm-hmm. and Matt Horn from Horn Barbecue in Oakland, California. Yeah. And uh, we just had a crazy discussion all night. And um, I asked B, I was like, hey, you know, I've been following you for a long time. Like, you gave me advice way back. You know, what made you change the name? He said, because I want to have my name out there. He was like, I put my work on this. This is me. He Now he literally has his face yeah. uh, on, on everything. I said, that's amazing. And they all loved what I was doing, but I'll never forget before I, I left, Matt was just like, you know, you should, you should try naming it after yourself. Let people mm. know who you are. Um, you put a lot into this. This is yours. It's okay to put yeah. your name on it. And literally that night, the whole night seemed like a dream because so much more happened. <laughs> I woke up the next morning, you know, getting a message from B. And I was like, wow, okay, that really happened. I need to make a change. So I spent mm-hmm. the whole week revamping, drawing, coming up with a font type, like yeah. what would work right, making sure the domains and all the social media stuff was usable and it was, and I took off running, and I I didn't ease into it. I just made a hard turn, said, "Hey, this is what it is now. Right. This is what's going on." I put up a little video explaining why, and I haven't looked back since. I don't. I know it won't ever change because sure. just like I put out there, when you put your name on something, you have to stand by it. Right. And that's what I'm doing with this. Uh, Phillips Barbecue Co. is me. I'm yeah. the face. This is what I'm doing and I will always make sure it's going to be great because my name is literally on the end product. Yeah. And that means something. It really does. It really does. A name goes a long way. (laughs) And having started the business where my name didn't mean anything to now, if you tell people, I'm like, Oh yeah, he's not great barbecue. Yeah. We want to have him here. You know? Yeah. Uh, I get asked what's been the biggest change since I started. And, uh, biggest change is I don't get told no anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Not in a conceited way, but I don't get told no anymore. Um, we're just booked out and busy and right. it's a really good thing and a great feeling. Well, I'm not going to lie to you, Sheed, uh, cold calling was definitely <laughs> not ideal for you not because I'm going to be honest with you, 
you, if you haven't seen pictures of Rashid, he'd be a hard person to say no to in person. <laughs> I mean, you're like, what, 6'3", 6'4"? 6'6". 6'6". Yeah. 6'6", 265. Just a, Knocking on doors was the right approach to that. But you, you mentioned a little bit, um, you know, your propensity to put out videos. Yeah. And... Um, I've kind of been, you know, checking out your YouTube and obviously your Instagram for a long time. You are all about kind of documenting the journey yeah. that you're going on, yeah. and I think that's super helpful for other people that are, might be in the same boat as you, trying to start, um, you know, the path to turning their dream into uh, their nine to five or their day job. Yeah. Talk about why you're doing that and why that's such a big part of of who you are at this point. Could you imagine? If tomorrow, like, Jay-Z released a series of videos from when he was 21 all the way up to now. Crazy. Could could you imagine if, you know, prior to Steve Jobs passing, like, someone found a box of VHS or something that was just nothing but a friend recording every moment? Yeah. Or Elon Musk going through PayPal or Bezos had just some guy in the corner <laughs> shooting video when he had, you know, his... Uh, garage door as a desk type yeah. of thing like why wait until you're at the the pinnacle of your career to start right. sharing the content I don't think it's too far fresh for me to believe that I'll get to a point where I can be influential in <laughs> the food arena and the barbecue scene yeah. and I want to document that process and also part of the documenting it and sharing it is I I had a lofty goal of a hundred videos Per day, like I did a video one day every day. I was going for a hundred, mm. and I was going to get there, but I got slammed with the flu horribly. Oh. Like I was set on bed rest for about two weeks. It was yes. bad. So that's sort of what stopped it all just before the end. But I did yeah. eighty-two videos straight. Yeah, and it was eighty-two just, videos in eighty-two days. 80, exactly. Yeah, and it was just explaining what I was going through because when I started searching, I found a lot of oh. Yeah, we'll show you how to do this. Buy our, you know, $999 course or yeah. sign up for this $400 membership or, you know, come take our class in person in this. I was like, yeah. if you're an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, you don't have that money. No. And then it makes people feel discouraged because they feel like they can't invest in themselves. <laughs> I started food, the original business, with like $476 in a water jug jar that I'd save. I'd just throw change in. Yeah. And I just kept flipping that money until I had enough to buy the smoker. And I think, you know, um, sharing that experience is really important with people to let yeah. them know you don't have to have everything to get where you need to be. Right. Make the best of what you do have and go from there. And documenting that and showing the mistakes. And I've, you, I explained a lot of my mistakes in the videos mm -hmm. as they were happening. You know, hey, this happened. I failed. This completely bombed. You know, I've done events where I've only made $50 yeah. and spent a couple hundred on food. It's part of the process. And I think showing people the failures motivates them a lot more than showing yeah, them the successes. Well, and it identifies people with your brand more because it feels human. Yeah. You know, and it's not this, okay, when I start creating content, I'm, I'm going to be at this certain level and yeah. I'm going to attain, have attained this amount of success. It's, no, here's just a look at somebody that's trying to build a business from scratch. Yeah. You know, buy yourself with, like you said, $475. Here we go. You know? This is what we can do. And no it can happen. It can happen for anyone. You just have to be willing to be obsessed with it. Mm -hmm. You just have to know, like, this will consume you. If yeah. you're doing it right, if you're passionate about it, it will consume you. Sure. You will miss events. You will miss birthday parties. You may not always get to go out to dinner with friends or what have you but that's just part of it right now yeah. if you're already doing that stuff missing that stuff in a job you hate you might as well roll the dice and do it with something you enjoy no doubt the clock only goes one way right so <laughs> i'm just trying to use my time the best i can while i got it yeah for sure all right man so we need to talk shop a little bit before we let you go all right your uh your go-to items i want you to t let's talk brisket <laughs> i love brisket I love brisket. I don't think a lot of people understand how involved uh, that finished product is. Talk yeah. me through the process that you go through every time you're going to do a smoked brisket. Uh, I, I make sure that I get a good, nice, prime whole packer, uh, mm -hmm. and I cook it whole. 
and I do a very light trim, you know, you've got cats out there like Franklin uh, saying, you know, leave this amount, this amount. It really just depends on your brisket, what you like, what your customers like, and what you're capable of doing. I yeah. leave a lot more on because I'm running mine 18, 20 hours. Yeah. I let that fat render out. Mm. But you get a good piece of brisket. You trim it. You get off all your hard fat and some of the meat you can, you wouldn't use. And then you sort of save that. You can turn into some really great sausage, but that's mm. way down the line there. Um <laughs> And you do a light rub, something simple, something that you enjoy. I personally make my own smoked salt and pepper, mm. and that's what I use. And put that on, and then you pay attention to it. Because it may take 18 to 20 hours to make, but only 30 minutes to mess up. Yep. So you uh, trim it, wash uh, <laughs> I have a shirt coming up <laughs> about it. It says, uh, trim it, rub it, smoke it. <laughs> and that, that's 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 really what it is. You set it on there as far away from your fire source as humanly possible, mm. and you just rotate it and tip it. People laughed the other day. I was doing uh, late cook at like four in the morning, and, and I had you know six briskets. I was talking about, hey guys, make sure you tip your meat. And people messaged me like, were you joking? I was like, no, seriously, because it pulls that juices in the center, and you don't want that soggy spot. It ruins yeah. your bark. Tip all the meat juices off there. And just keep rotating it. Make sure it gets a nice, even yeah. cook. Let smoke do the work. Exactly. Yeah. Get out the way and just trust in your smoker, trust in what you're doing, and have a lot more wood than you think you may need because mm-hmm. uh, you'll 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 need it. You never want to run out. Yeah, a twelve hour fire takes a lot of wood. Yeah. Yes. No doubt. <laughs> yes, it does. Especially in that beast of a smoker that you oh, got. Oh my gosh! It, t- it takes there. so it takes so much just to get it up to temp. Yeah. And uh, just a quick little tip for anyone who's backyard barbecuing or whatever, um, always ramp up high. Get your smoker much higher than whatever you need it because the second you open that lid and put your cold meat on, it's going to drop that temperature so fast. So I may cook at 225, but I'm, you know, loading my smoker at like 250, 275 just because while I have that door open, the heat's escaping. And then I'm just putting, you know, sometimes hundreds of pounds of meat you know, just ice cold meat inside yeah. of a, a, an oven is going to drop the temperature. So, little little there tip you there. Go. Pro tip. <laughs> and so you you go through the process of smoking and you pull it off. Where, right. what do you, where do you go from there? So after it's been smoking uh, for about ten to twelve, or just really depending on the the brisket, I'll wrap it in some butcher paper, mm. and that sort of stops any additional smoke from getting to the meat. Yeah. And just allows that heat to keep going. And I don't use foil because foil turns it into like an oven and can yeah. really mess up that bark that I've worked so hard for, yeah. bark that everyone loves. Butcher paper. Exactly. Okay. Do uh, butcher paper. You can get at your local like restaurant depot or order it online. Yeah. And wrap and let it set and crank the smoke up a little bit. Then I start going at 250 hmm. and just let it ride out the rest of the night until that thing is jelly i think there's a video i have on instagram where i'm like just flicking the end of the brisket on one side and the whole thing is just shimmying around yeah and that's sort of what you want to get it to then you right. take it off from there you don't touch it just let it rest for a couple hours wrap it in a towel putting it in a cooler and just let it sit for a couple hours let those juices get redistributed yeah and let it cool down a bit slice and serve against the grain always 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 against the grain so you're a sliced guy i am okay I'm a, I'm a chopped man myself. I'm not gonna you know, I I like the presentation of the slice. You know, yeah. I feel like it looks it looks a little bit I'm better. With you there. Just on the look aspect, it all tastes the same. It really does because with chopped, yeah. the good thing is you can chop a little bit of the lean with the fatty. Right. And you get a nice little mixture. Yeah. Um, but I just I just dig the way slice looks. You know, I guess it's yeah. the whole photo. Back sure, sure. Scene. It's definitely a more photo friendly presentation, yeah. no doubt. And I think you know. I probably developed that preference from having average brisket no. and sliced feels like to me that it dries out a little easier. Uh, so when, you know, maybe it's overcooked or maybe it's, you know, it hasn't been preserved in the back as well, you know, sliced, you get a dry piece of sliced brisket. It's just like, like chewing oh, leather. Man. But yeah, no, well, that's great. That's good tips. I'm going to put that into practice here. Yeah, very, very it's soon. All about it, man. But, uh, all right, she. Last thing I ask pretty much everybody on the show this question is, what does the future hold? What are your goals? Where do you see this thing in in ten years? In ten years, um, I'd like to see it 
influencing and encouraging and inspiring others to break out and go on their own. Mm. If I'm still doing pop-ups and pulling Pearl around, I'm perfectly content if that means that it's caused other people to say, hey, he did it, I can do it too. Yeah. Um, I would have loved to have at least one place by the end of 10 years, just mm. one little small place, nothing big. I don't need anything huge, little 800 square foot space and sure. uh, just do what I enjoy doing and continuously doing that and sharing it. In 10 years, I hope to have been able to share more of what I've been doing. You can't uh, pass on tradition if no one's telling the stories. That's right. So uh, I plan on just to keep telling mine as long as I can. So after we recorded this, I got the incredible opportunity to sample some freshly smoked Phillips barbecue. Now, I am a self-proclaimed barbecue aficionado, and I will tell you, this man is onto something. I truly believe that one day Phillips Barbecue will be a household name in Atlanta barbecue, and I, for one, cannot wait to see it. But don't take my word for it. You have got to try it for yourself. Follow Phillips Barbecue on Instagram and check out phillipsbarbecue.com to book Rashid for your next event or to find out where he will be delighting crowds in the very near future. Atlanta Born and Brand is a production of Connects Media. We're a full-service digital media company focused on helping small businesses tell their story in the most effective way they can. If you're looking to tell the story of your business, we'd love to help. You can find us at connectsatl.com. Special thanks go out to Chris Hilliard, Joshua Pruitt, Mackenzie Bates, and our families who make it all possible. Stay tuned to the show for more stories from the city's top startups and small businessmen and women. You can do that by subscribing in Apple Podcasts or wherever else you happen to be listening. If you like the show, we'd really appreciate a review and a rating. And of course, share it with your friends. Keep up with the show on social media. We're ATL Born Brand on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also like our Atlanta Born and Brand Facebook page. Finally, you can find all the previous episodes of the show on our website atlborn.com For Atlanta Born and Brand and Connects Media, I'm Jonathan Hilliard. Thanks for listening and I'll see y'all soon.